1: That's important, though, because the locker room and the morale of that locker room is so vitally important. That's one of the things I tell Malik all the time that sticks out to me as a fan, is that no matter what, the brotherhood at Notre Dame is so strong. Like, I don't care what era of a player you talk to, the brotherhood is so strong. And we've recently heard players on this squad this year talk about how the team morale Is totally different than it was last year. And I said to myself, man, how are they winning games? And Malik was like, yo, we've always been, it's us against the world. Like we're in here, this locker room, like we we make it happen. And it goes back to the decision you guys were able to make. Like, yo, this is our locker room. This is our team. And we're going to take care of it. And that just speaks volumes about Notre Dame football generation to generation. Look, I think
2: the you know I I had I literally went from the outhouse to the penthouse. I mean, I went from Jerry Faust. I got recruited by Jerry Faust. Yeah, his last year, we won, lost three games or four games. I don't know what it was. We had like I think three game losing streak, booed off, booed off the field at Notre Dame, to winning, going twelve and zero and winning a national championship. So I've been in a locker room where there's a dissension and not a brotherhood and I've been where there was incredible brotherhood. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you can have the, it's, look, I don't know what the people have asked me this question for 35 years. I don't know what the formula is. It's a lot of things. It's getting lucky a little bit. It's the coaching. It's the, you know, Lou Holtz letting Barry Alvarez do his thing on defense and us kind of running wild, uh you know, and sort of setting the tone for the offense and uh the chemistry all came together. And, you know, I, I mean, I think Lou would tell you that the team in 1989 was he thought was probably better than the team in 88. Ooh. And because they had, you know, they had, of course, they, they only they didn't lose a lot of players um in my year. And the next year they lose to Miami down there. I guess they went they won all their games except against Miami.
1: Yeah. But, and Lou says that's one of the biggest regrets of his 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 life is not allowing the team to play loose no. against Miami. Him and he didn't let them fight. Miami yeah. won't
2: fight again, and he yeah. pulled, clipped their wings instead of letting them yeah, because he saw what happened when he let us fight. Well, he didn't know we were gonna fight. But anyway, I don't know. It's you know, I can't yeah. you know I if you would have told me going into my fifth year that we were going to win the national championship, looking at our schedule, I would have been like, "Mm, yeah, that's, that's a Ponzi scheme. But um, we
1: did. So you never know. Every now. <laughs> so, it's early on. A game has yet to be played with this new coaching staff in the regular season. What are your early impressions of Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff?
2: I, um, listen, Marcus, I you know, I can't say I know him well. I know him well, and I, I know, I think, football and character and characteristics of teams that won characteristics of teams that didn't. And I can tell you he's got a heck of a lot of the positive attributes. I mean, just, just getting the ex players involved, embracing the school, the thing that Lou always loved Notre Dame, it wasn't about Lou, it was about Notre Dame and the tradition and, the, and that's how Marcus Freeman has got that day one. That was cool. I, I noticed that immediately because Brian Kelly was only about Brian Kelly. He didn't like Notre Dame. he didn't respect he didn't care about the tradition or anything else. Marcus Freeman says, "Look, man, look where I'm standing. Like, look, these are hollowed grounds. These, go like, Look around. He like he takes it in. Players in. I mean, dude, just bringing in the players. Like, I went to that Legacy Weekend thing. That that's gonna have so much potential. When you start getting all the players back, and there are some studs that have played football. I mean, business wise, football wise, but just the people, the people, um." And, to, and he's going to start having guys like on the sidelines. I'm telling you, man, it's look. And, and I met Al Golden, who I, I spent some time with. He seems unbelievable. I loved his. I mean, they they seem to have it going on, man. I hate to be.
4: I think so, too. I think they got it going on be, in the staff
2: room. Be, you know, I, I always laugh. I don't want to over promise and under deliver. But, man, I'm positive about where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, I.
4: I'm positive about the first I, game. What do you think about first game?
2: He's, he's going to take some blows. He's going to learn. He's going to be thrown in the fire against Ohio State. They're going to be stacked. Um, but I'm not going to get discouraged about it because I think, man, here's another thing, dude. I mean, he can recruit. And let me tell you something. We keep bringing all these kids. I mean, Lou was a great coach. Lou had all these great things. But we had dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean. Let's call a spade a spade. I'd love. I mean, I'd love to say I, you know, I was pretty good myself, but I had a lot of good guys around me. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we hit you gotta have the players. And then I'll, if you got all the other stuff too, well then, you know, I think I think we are exponentially in a better spot than where we were with Brian Kelly. Because yeah. I don't see we were in a terrible rut that we were just gonna win. We're never gonna win a national championship, but we might win nine or ten games every year. Yeah. And nothing going there was no I didn't feel like we were closing the gap to get to that next level. And I already feel like that's happening. Um you know, coaching, coaching, I mean, you gotta have the players. To me, a head coach in college is all about what you stand for more than anything else. And this guy stands for all the right stuff. So how can I not be on board with that I don't know what do you think Malik
4: yeah I think yeah right on right on the, the button where he has all the things that you can't really explain like you said earlier it's like unless you've been in that moment unless you understand the campus and everything involved in the tradition of the program I think Marcus Freeman what he's done the best so far is is understand where he's at That alone gives the confidence of the people that have been there, people that have been supporting, especially former players, that if you can understand it, getting there your first year of what I've experienced, what you've experienced at our time at Notre Dame, and you can bring that all together and and what you're trying to do and move forward with, that's what makes it feel like a national championship run. I'm sure down in Alabama, every class that's been through the saving era probably feels like that. That next year, they're part of the team. <laughs> that the year coming up, because they're great, and they're related to the year they were there. So I think Marcus Freeman, if anything, is going to give us the feel that you had in an 88 an 89, and 89, the and year I had in
2: 15. After that, my, our year in 88, the, the expectation and the bars of everything that we did went up. Every year, yeah. after, for the next eight yeah. Notre Dame was an inch away from winning another national championship, and they got yeah. screwed twice. Inches. Yeah, ninety-three uh, with Florida State and Boston College, and then the year with Rocket ninety-one. Yeah, yeah. or but anyway,
0: but you're That's right,
2: one hundred percent correct, and it's
1: setting the bar. And I don't know, how I mean, do you guys? How did you guys feel? Like we're talking about, like what the players coming back meant for Notre Dame. What did the legacy weekend mean for you guys? What did it do for you guys personally?
2: (laughs) You want me to, I mean, I, I, for me, um, you know, I think when Lou was there, we kind of still felt like we had a connection to the university. Um, And I still knew a lot of the people at school. and, And I think in the last 15, 20 years, I've, you know, I've, don't feel like i've really been a part of that at all on any level
4: yeah on any level
2: it's crazy and um and i i think it was i think every single guy that i talked to whether they were my year young i mean i've talked spent a lot of time talking to guys i didn't know from the 60s and 70s i want to talk you know i i've always done that i mean i talked to the current guys too but I think it, every single person from that, that showed up there that has played at Notre Dame said that this was long overdue. You've got all this potential with all these successful people that have gone through all these experiences right here at your fingertips. It costs you zero. Zero. And Marcus is a genius because he said his whole pitch is Notre Dame four for 40, which is exactly how my dad pitched me. By the way, I didn't want to go to Notre Dame. I wanted to go to Georgia. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad just kept the four for forty. I'm 17 years old. That did not mean anything to me. Only thing that no. matters: SAE party that I had been to the weekend before in Athens with all the pretty girls. That's all, all pretty the pretty girls. Dang. I mean, dude, Athens back in those days, my god. But anyway, but he's pitching this four for forty. He said he said something that I thought was really cool. And this is when I realized the guys like on the second and third level of thinking this stuff at the right at the and about it the right way. He said, we don't need NIL. What we need is you guys. This is what the players need to understand. This is what you can do. These are your opportunities. These are the businesses you can get in. I'm telling you, that was genius. Yeah, I I think it opened. Of course, it opened our eyes. We already kind of knew it, but it had to have opened. The current players' eyes. Yeah,
4: it was that connection that we, like you said, we knew it. We just didn't know how to get everybody right. to get on the by, same. Oh,
2: thing. by the way, that had never happened before. Never happened before. Yeah, it it, never happened before. <laughs> it was, no, it had never happened. And I think you wait because guys like me and guys that are a lot smarter than me. We're gonna think about ways the next time that happens to to elaborate on that and make it even better.
4: Yes, because it, it was it was so cool that we was like, okay. wait,
2: we could. And then we you have to do something. and you have, you know, the next thing you know, man. Yeah, you don't give a shit if you play pro football because you're going to do that. I mean, I played three years. I got hurt. I was getting paid peanuts. My friends were working on Wall Street. I was called my agent. I'm like, I quit. He's like, What do you mean? I said, I'm, going to <laughs> I'm out like, of here. I'm going to work on Wall Street. Bye. <laughs> no I, now, I have a broken again. hand or dislocated shoulder. This is dumb. I'm this, this, yeah, this is this.
1: I'm too open. I don't know. I'm
4: just dumb.
1: You get paid,
2: nothing. right?
1: So that's Lucky crazy. Lucky Podcast talking to Wes Pritchett now. Wes, I've heard some stories, and you can either you know choose not to confirm or or you can go ahead and, and let us know what they whether or not they're true. Uh, there's a story that. Lou Holtz was so upset in practice about a running play that he told the entire offensive line. No, he pulled one offensive lineman and made the offensive line block with four players to prove (laughs) to that lineman that his worth or the job he was doing. And then I want to talk about just how tough it was to play for Joe Moore because. You defensive guys got to watch how he went out to his offensive linemen. Did you have a sense of empathy for what they had to go through? Man, it was tough for all of
2: us, to be honest with you. Lou was, I mean, it was horrible. We had those, uh, you know, they didn't have any rules about hitting and time of practice or any, I mean, it was just the way it was. I mean, I can remember in the spring, Lou saying that, you know, spring ball was, Was when you had to make the team. And we did 30 days of full pads, and it was horrible. We scrimmaged the whole time.
1: Yeah.
2: It was hitting drills, one on ones. I mean, you could put it this way there was no hiding. Yeah. The guy played, earned it. And I don't think anybody on our team, whether it was Joe Moore, and yeah, Joe Moore was amazing. He's legendary. He's from another planet. He wouldn't even he wouldn't be accepted today on any level. They they couldn't <laughs> what he would do. He was always smoking cigarettes. I mean he was he was he was so old school. But dude, he coached. I mean he coached like Bill Fralick. and I mean his years at Pittsburgh, he coached the best offensive lineman that probably ever played the game. Um you know, and he was just brutal he was brutal. I mean he just never let up on those guys it didn't matter if you were an all-american or or a walk-on you had to you know it just was fundamentals 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 and that's all lou ever did man all we did was work on fundamentals the way we shuffled in our linebacker drills the way we took a step on punt team everything was orchestrated always there was never like my techniques our techniques were flawless yeah getting leverage getting getting off the shooting off the ball low extending your hands i mean just everything was very meticulous yeah and we worked we worked over and over and over and over and over again on on technique a lot of technique i mean yes we hit and all that and we and we train like crazy but we worked a lot lou was a tactician too now um and that carried over, I think, into
1: all the positions. So
3: it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
2: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
1: I mean there's no look, no shortcut. I mean you got
2: to have good players, you got to have a good coach, you got to play, yeah. with you, you got to get lucky. Yeah. of, you know, you got to you got to make sure your key guys don't get hurt over the course of the year. We had very little injuries, if any. Yeah. My senior year, very
1: little injuries. I mean,
2: you know. So,
1: I don't know. What's your favorite, we know of course ultimately defeating um uh, West Virginia in the Fiesta Bowl? pinnacle of that season if you were going to bookmark one moment from that season to let someone to let a notre dame fan in 2022 that's a teenager know what notre dame football is all about what would be that moment if you were sitting down with a young teenager right now that's a notre dame fan you had to pull up one thing on youtube what it would be, what would it be to let them know what that season was all about and what Notre Dame football is all about? Man,
2: that's a hard question. There were
1: so many. You let out for me, and this is something I jokingly say, because I don't like the visitors' entrance now. Yeah, I grew up watching you guys come through that tunnel, yeah, with Miami, with USC, and whether it was a fight or brawl or just talking trash back and forth. I just for me, that was college football. Like that's that's how you came I mean have to say you'd have to say the fight in the
2: tunnel against Miami, yeah. yeah, I think that defined our entire season because those guys had punched us in the face three years in a row, you know, and um, we're warming up, and they're down the other end and and they ran right through our drill intentionally, and we were let them know that that was not going down,, right. you know? and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to pick one. That would be more of a yeah, because I think that's reflective of sort of our attitude, and that was and that changed the entire not that it changed the entire season, but after we won that Miami game, like I said, I mean that there was it was all it, nobody was going to beat us after that. Now I'm glad we didn't have to play them again, <laughs> but that um, would have been interesting if we had played them again, like in the playoff. That would have been
1: because
2: I think I think we would have adjusted. I, physically they could not beat us schematically they could like running the ball and all that we would i would we throw their linemen around but their offense was way advanced for the time you know so yeah.
1: so it would have been interesting to see how you guys would have adjusted to that i think offensively lou would have adjusted and i think you guys would have been more acclimated to Seeing what they showed you guys the first time, yeah, Barry. Look,
2: here's another thing, and don't kid yourself. Alvarez is every bit as good of a coach as Lou Holtz. I mean, I, 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 to have to th- to have been coached by Lou and Barry at the same time is, I mean, that's like, yeah, legendary stuff. And I'm still friend. In fact, I was texting Barry Alvarez yesterday.
4: Why do you think he doesn't get the same acclaim at at Notre Dame at the same time? Because, you know, you always hear about Lou driving the train.
2: Well, I mean, he did well, – Barry would tell you he wasn't driving the train. He was just trying to take care of the defense. But right. uh, <laughs> I can just tell you that, you know, uh, the impact that he had on all of our players and how much we loved him. And then he was only there for two years and he left. Mm. So, um, you know, there was always rumors that – um he was going to come back and be the head coach. And I don't know whatever happened there, but, but you look at what he did at Wisconsin as a head coach. That's oh. I mean, unbelievable. They were, nothing. Wisconsin didn't even exist and they won, he won five Rose bowls and six yeah, crazy. championships. I mean, unbelievable what he accomplished there. Um,
1: He's a great athletic director as well. Great, great athletic director. Director. Yeah.
2: I mean, he has, had, he has had a, and I'm just telling you, he had even a, probably a bigger – he and Lou both had equally big impacts on my life. But, you know, Barry, I was a fifth-year senior. So, I i mean, hell, I was like a player coach. I was down in the coach's office. and I'd watch film with him all day. I'd walk into <laughs> – he'd take me into the coach's meetings. He did it one time. He's like, Prince, just come on in the meeting. I sit down and Lou sits down. And he's like talking. He looks over and he goes, Wesley, what the hell are you doing in this? Get your ass out of here. I'm like, yeah, he's like, ah, I guess you're not invited, Prince. Sorry about that. But I mean yeah, that, my bad. Literally, like, <laughs> I would sit in Barry's office. Digger Phelps was like two offices down. He'd come in. Uh, it was it was surreal. I mean, I'm sitting around with legends, you know. Cool. I didn't think
1: anything about it, but what an experience. I it. you didn't realize how special that was at the oh. time, right? Yeah.
2: No, you're I mean, I was 21 years old. I didn't, you know. Yeah, in hindsight, it's incredible what what all that's, you know, what we had. Um, Barry, Barry, the way that he, his technique was totally different than Lou's, but very effective. Like, he would call us into his office. You know, he'd call me in, and, you know, because we had a good time now. yeah, you know, I don't know if you read, like, you know, with me smoking cigars in my helmet, and we did all kinds of goofy shit. Uh, you know, we'd send the freshmen down to see Lou all the time. We, I mean, we it, there's a lot of stories. But Barry knew when to, like, button it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he'd call us into the office and be like, look, no screwing around today. Like, I want you guys to get going. And then we would go out and and, like, demand another level from the younger guys. And we weren't fucking around. And we were serious and we were focused. And they knew it immediately. So that was kind of like the – you know, I think the way that the, and, and being a fifth year senior like that, you know, I think hell, we had a nice barbell combination of old guys and young Bucks that were players. Yeah. yeah, And that was, that was a good, you know, a good um, mixture, I think, too. Um, you know, you didn't hear Malik when I was saying the first year starters on that team were, um, Rocket Ishmael, Ricky Waters, Andy Heck, Tim Grunhard, Tim Ryan. Who else on offense? Is that anybody else that played in the NFL?
0: Uh, I'm trying to think.
2: I think there's one more. And then on defense was Chris Zorich, Mike Stonebreaker, Pat Terrell, Stan Smagala, um, Jeff Holm, all NFL guys. Yeah, we had eleven. We had eleven guys, first year starters that were sophomores that all played in the NFL.
1: <laughs> what did was that I- moment like? The first time That's you crazy. saw Rocket? How about that? What That's was crazy. the first time you saw Rocket in a practice? Like when you first the first time you saw him in action? What were your thoughts?
2: You know, it's funny. Back in those days, man, we, it was like two different teams. Like the offense and the defense did not play together. Okay. <laughs> and- <laughs> I mean, Lou. Nobody wanted to be near Lou, and Lou didn't want anybody near. So we wanted the the offense, but there was plenty of practices where we had gone in, showered, eaten dinner, and those fools were still out there practicing. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, y'all was practicing the day, the units. Like, y'all like are no done. He showers.
4: He was Lou, the unit. Set the clock back to period
2: twenty. And we'd be like, "Oh man, Barry's like, y'all are done. Get out of here." wow
1: so we we thought your
2: question I mean I I didn't even pay attention to the offense and much less a wide receiver unless uh, unless I was playing him I I was so focused on what I was doing but I I would be it would have been in a game first time you know I all of a sudden I saw some like freaking just like the flash go right I mean dude that guy was so fast it was like and I had played with Tim Brown, so it's not like I hadn't been around guys that were pretty fast. Tim yeah. Brown was fast. Rocket was faster. <laughs> <laughs> if that was even possible, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was – Rocket was so – in a straight line. I mean, he was just – it was crazy. I, you know, it didn't take Tony – you know, he was – so we. Didn't, Rocket was a freshman. So it wasn't until later on in the season that we started throwing the ball to him because Lou realized that nobody could cover him. And all we did, we'd line up and smash it in everybody's face. And then all of a sudden he could play action and he figured out Tony could take three steps and throw it as far as he could. (laughs) And Rocket could run under it because nobody was going to be there but Rocket.
4: Right. That's crazy.
1: So, So what are you looking forward to With this season, you said it's going to be a tough task going into the horseshoe. You
2: know, I just want to see him. uh, You know, I just you you only learn by jumping in the fire, anyway. I mean, I you know, look, the Oklahoma State game was disappointing. Um, I think that you know, you had your offensive and defensive coordinators though, like already gone or new guys coming in or interim. That that makes it really tough. You haven't, you know, he's got to. I can tell you this, Al Golden, from what. Any, every, anything that from me doing research on him and talking to the guy, they're going to be good on defense. I think we're going to be really good on defense. Really, really good. I think. I think so. we're going to be really good on defense. Um, you know, on off. I, 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 I man, just play hard and be and be in the game. That's that's all I'm looking for. Effort, effort, effort. Yeah. effort. I just want to see effort. You know, that's all I've ever told my kids. You can't worry about anybody else. You just when you go out there, it's, you can only worry about yourself. I mean, you yeah. can motivate the other guys, but yeah, but you also you are in charge of how hard you play. That's fair. What you think is a hundred percent today ain't gonna be a hundred percent when you go to the. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what yes, I man. thought was full speed in high school, what I thought was full speed my freshman year in college was not full speed my fifth year in college. No. You know.
1: Yeah. This is one of the most important months in recruiting. A lot of big time recruits will be coming to visit Notre Dame. A lot of twenty-five kids coming in for camps along with 24 kids. There are two kids coming in that Notre Dame are trying to get that are five stars, both from the state of Georgia. Have Notre Dame in their top three. Who is that? Is safety name Caleb Downs? Caleb. And a gentleman, a young man, uh, Malik actually talked to last night, Samuel M. Pimba, who's at IMG Academy. What's he play? Out of Georgia. he a uh,
4: linebacker.
1: Yeah, linebacker. What Great. would you tell Great. those guys, Georgia kids, deciding to leave the South and go to Notre Dame, what would be your pitch to them to say,
2: "Yo"? My pitch to them was, "Look, you're going. To, you're not going to play. I mean, you're going to. You're not going to get any more exposure than you're ever going to get on in TV and playing great teams than you are at Notre Dame. First of yeah. all, yeah, you just know. So from a football perspective, you're going to get every bit as much opportunity to play in the NFL as you would at Georgia. Now, if you get hurt your first year, you go to Notre Dame and you graduate, you're going to have a degree that can get you a job in any industry in any state in the United States." The alumni stick together. It's not even comparable. The degree from Notre Dame and the degree from the de, Georgia is a good school, and it truly is a good school. But nobody gives a shit outside of the state of Georgia. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that you're not going to have opportunities, but I, there's nothing like a Notre Dame degree. Um, especially if you played football and went to Notre. It's just the ability. It opens your. It opens your. It'll open your mind as far as people that you're going to meet from all I mean there was the greatest I was a southern kid that had never been north in North Carolina I was completely out of my comfort zone on every level football socially everything weather and it was yeah, it weather. I was hard. I hated it I wanted to come home my freshman year I was the only guy on scholarship that got redshirted I was tenth string I mean the stories go on and on and on and my dad got on the phone one day. He's like, Wesley, you made a decision And buy God, You're going to stick with it and quit feeling sorry for yourself. I don't want to talk about this shit anymore. Click. and that was <laughs> that was it. But I and I think you know, look, these kids, these five star kids, I mean, they can go anywhere and have a great time. They can go anywhere and 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 play great football. But I mean, you know, it's there's more to it than just the game. What if you get hurt? The, fr- the my high school coach said to me, "What go some? Where will you be happy if you got hurt the first play?" Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I said, "UCLA." <laughs> no, I'm joking. Hell yeah!
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank God I didn't take a trip out there.
1: Uh, Lucky Lefty Podcast. We are so appreciative of the legendary linebacker, 1988 champion Wes Pritchett joining us today. All the way from that peach state and uh, success to you and your young men, your sons that are uh, looking to get that power five offer and pursue their dreams. And you guys, as as I said before, when we introduced you, uh, I speak on behalf of the fan base, the blood, sweat and tears and the brotherhood that you guys represent is the best thing about being a Notre Dame fan. We would love to win a national championship. We would love to have titles delivered to us on an annual basis, but to take a step back and have the pride in the men that you all are on and off the field, as well as your attributes and everything that you've been able to accomplish on the field. That's the one thing as a Notre Dame fan, as a fan base that we take pride in. And we appreciate everything that you've given us on and off the field how you continue to be a great ambassador for the school and the, you know, and the uh, football program.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And, um, you know, go Irish and Malik. Great to see you. And I hope to see you next time I'm up there. Yeah. And I hope, I hope hope we're talking about Marcus Freeman's national championship. Nothing would excite me more. Heck yeah. How many many
1: games are you going to get to this year? You know, I don't know.
2: I'm gonna. I'm planning on going to a couple of games this year. I haven't been in a couple of years. Um, I think I'm definitely going up to the uh, that the Lou Holtz game, which is the second home game, and mm-hmm. then I might go to the Clemson game or the BC game.
1: All right. Well, we thank you, West Christian, for All joining right. us right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast.
2: Thank you, sir. Bye. Have a good one.